right, guys, we're back. Road dogging. I think this is the sixth episode after a brief winter hiatus. Um, the season is back. It's picking up. We've already had a couple Hobie events this year. Um, just, you know, good, good start to the year. Everything's kind of picking up. So I figured what better time than to get back and get on the road dog and train and what better guest to start off this 2024 than the Adam riser. What's up, Adam? Oh yeah, man! I'm just happy Road Doggins back. Uh, as a fan, I was I just want more episodes. I want more podcasts. So if it means I got to jump in and be in the mix. I'm down for it. So ha- happy to be here with you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Riser was definitely one of the reasons uh, that kind of got me back into this. I think the last two times I've I've seen him, he is he's mentioned it, and uh, I really appreciate that because uh, you know it's some sometimes you know you need to hear that that stuff needs to kind of keep on going. So uh, we're back and uh, we're we're rock and rolling. So Adam, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, kind of your backstory, how you got into fishing. And uh, we'll we'll start rolling from there. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Adam Reiser. I currently live in Pegram, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Most times I'll say I live in Nashville, but uh, grew up in North Alabama, Florence, Alabama. Um, grew up there playing music and doing a little bit of fishing. But that that city's kind of known for both music and fishing, and it's and it's interesting how both have been intertwined into my life. But uh, 21, I moved out to Orange County, California, in Huntington Beach, and Basically, uh, spent the rest of my 20s out there and uh, was surfing. Surfing was a big part of my life and then had a back injury that took me away from that. But I still wanted to be around water and uh, outdoors and outside and kind of just stumbled into fishing uh, down there. Started walking like the city park ponds and little uh, golf courses and places that you weren't really allowed to fish. But I I took some liberties and uh, invited myself to those. And uh, we'll, we'll say that was around like. 2010 or so 2011 and i just kind of got the bass fishing bug ever since then and then around like 2013 i moved back to uh alabama and shortly after that the nashville area that's when i got involved in the kayak tournaments the kayak community i was kayaking by myself for a couple years there just like hardcore bass fishing on my own um with not fishing with anyone. And then I realized there were some tournaments and derbies to jump in and jumped in those and really enjoyed them. And then now uh, I've been a part of the, the middle Tennessee bass fishing community and, and our club stuff for a while now. And uh, now I got a handful of years doing the national trails on the, on the tournaments too. And uh, been guiding for a few years out of a kayak, uh, been doing that as well, but mostly I just enjoy, uh, kind of destination fishing, going to places that are legendary bass fisheries and trying to catch bass. And uh, if there's tournaments at those places that we can travel to, I try to go to them. And that's about it, man. I just get excited about catching bass, plain and simple. It's one of my favorite things, one of my greatest pleasures. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's that's some of the best, man. You, you started out fishing ponds. That's one of my favorite things when we're out on the road, especially when we go to uh, like Florida and Texas, places that have you know, kind of, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about anything icing over the places that grow those big fish on the side of the road. That's, that's one of my favorite things to get thrown out of ponds on the side of the road, uh, going place to place. There's, there's something about it, especially now, you know, uh, if you fish a Gunnersville or a Rayburn or a Chickamauga, some of these places that can get congested, there's something special about just having a little, uh, slice of water all to yourselves and seeing what you can make of it, you know, and sometimes those can be the magical places and, uh, yeah, it's, it's not much better than that. 
Absolutely. So, uh, grew up in Florence. That's a, that's an amazing, I love going down there. Uh, cool. that's a, that, that's a fun place. Pickwick, especially Pickwick is one of my absolute favorite places. Cause there's just, uh, you, you can basically do anything at Pickwick almost all year. You can fish really shallow. You can, uh, fish, fish, uh, river, river ledges and all that. How much fishing did you do at Pickwick before you moved to California? Uh, <sighs> A little bit, but not bass fishing. It was like put a worm on a line like a few times as a kid. I maybe ended up on a pontoon boat, just bluegill fishing. But mostly it was just going down to some of the tail race areas where there was current, you know, in front of you and you're fishing you riprap, you know, or uh, at the, the rock pile boat ramp right below uh, Pickwick Dam there or Wilson Dam rather. Um, so kind of just throwing, throwing baits out there, throwing top water and uh, catching whatever bit, skipjack, bass, hybrids, uh, even just messing with gar sometimes. So, but I didn't, I wasn't raised on bass fishing. It was like, Hey, the neighbor's got a catfish pond and they said that there's some catfish in it. Now let's go fish the neighbor's pond or a friend's pond. So, uh, fishing was a part of my childhood, but not anything competitive or not anything knowledgeable. It was just purely a recreational pastime as like, you know, many, many young, young boys would experience in the Southeast. So pretty standard stuff there. But when I moved back from California to Alabama, that's when Pickwick became my university for fishing, my, my school for fishing that, and I hit it when Pickwick was more on an upswing too. So I could go out there and not know any of what I was doing and uh, learn a lot every single time. So I, I really uh, attribute Pickwick as being one of the, the greater teachers in, uh, and ushering me into bass fishing in a big way. So much to learn on the Tennessee River. I know you got plenty of time on the Tennessee River. It's one of the best fisheries in the world. So uh, anytime spent out there, uh, if you keep your mind open, you're going to take away something, uh, uh, some memories or, or just some knowledge on how to get after the fish that you want to catch out there. So uh, Pickwick has, has a special place in my heart, absolutely. Absolutely. And you hit it on the head. There's so many incredible anglers, both kayak and bass boat, that are all – you know, scattered along the Tennessee river from mm -hmm. you know, really good offshore anglers that grow up fishing, uh, Kentucky Lake to, you know, guys like Ott that grew up up here in Knoxville and, and have cut their teeth up, up here. So there's a little bit to do on pretty much any Tennessee river system. Um, t tell us about what, uh, your, uh, guiding, guiding stuff. I know you got it, uh, Dale hollow, and I think I may have seen, uh, Percy Priest some, I know you're a hammer at Dale hollow. That's, uh, it's i've seen some giant i've had guys friends of mine go with you and and y'all y'all whack them T tell us a little bit about where all you got yeah so that kind of just started in the pandemic it was something that was on my mind that i wanted to do and then the pandemic I, my my real-time job is working in service industry downtown and when the pandemic happened it knocked out the service industry gigs in a big way especially in nashville and uh so it just forced me to jump into the guide thing prematurely um more premature than i wanted to um, I wanted to have it more like set up professionally, the website and all that kind of thing. And instead, I just had to get my hustle on and uh, be like, yo, anyone who wants to get in the mix, let me teach you something. And um, for being a little more rushed than I wanted it to be, it turned out to be a great thing. And originally, I was just saying, hey, around Nashville area, Percy Priest, Old Hickory Lake, kind of the local fisheries around here. And then my clientele kind of slid over to uh, a lot of electronics focused trips that's something that I, that I feel like I've got a, a little extra um, understanding of uh, compared to most anglers and uh, no better lake to teach electronics learn electronics and apply them than Del Hollow so Del Hollow has kind of become my preferred 
place to do guide trips out of. Um, and also I, I realized after a couple of years of doing it that my trips tend to be more focused on uh, installing confidence and knowledge in my clients as opposed to more a traditional guide trip where it's, hey, let's just catch every fish possible. Let's catch them up. I tend to stay away from those or even like refer uh, people interested in those catch them up trips to other people like, but you do a trip with me, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the confidence and the knowledge for all your future outings. You're going to be able to apply that. Uh, and, and hopefully we can apply it the day of the trip. And um, so far I've had success in that and uh, in, in both the education and the, um, the, the catching them uh, happening on the day of too. But I just like to, uh, I'm the son of two teachers. And so whether it's my articulation or explanation or just um, the, the explaining what's going on in my mind and, and then conveying that to whoever wants, who's ever on the water with me, um, it's something I really enjoy. Um, I can genuinely say that I get uh, maximum enjoyment more so out of watching a client catch a big one or have an aha moment out there in the water than uh, something on myself. So. I don't, I don't do a lot of trips a year because I, I occupy my, my schedule with other things, work and uh, traveling for, for tournaments. But uh, it seems like the wintertime uh, and maybe a little summertime, too, is when I do a lot of my trips. But tend to be more electronics based. They used to be a little bit more into like the swim baits and the bigger bait thing when that when that was more coming onto the scene. Uh, but now it's just kind of like whoever wants to figure out what's going on on that screen in front of them. That, that that's where I, uh, I tend to stand the best with people. I, I, I might need to get one of those guide trips myself. I feel, Come I still on. feel like I'm staring at something that I don't know what it is. It's like a different language. that's just, uh, in front of me, but, uh, th you know, there's really something to be said about somebody that's a good teacher at, at anything. Yeah. And, um, I've not been on many, um, fishing guide trips in my life. Um, couple that come to mind that are vastly different. When I was 18, my dad took me to uh, Santee Cooper for a guide trip. And, uh, the, the guide was, it was an older gentleman and, uh, he caught three fish and me and dad didn't catch anything. And I felt like it was, uh, one of the stranger fishing trips I still to this day have ever had. Um, cause I didn't feel like I learned a whole lot. And, yeah. uh, um, I've, taking a trip at Kentucky Lake with a guy and we didn't catch, you know, much more than that. I mean, I caught a couple of fish, but it felt like I learned so much more, um, stuff that I still think about to this day that, uh, that have really helped out. So there's something to be said about, um, you know, going into a guide trip with, with knowing what your expectations are, whether they're, um, learning, building confidence or just, you know, flat out catching fish, you know? So, um, that's, you know, obviously there's a, there's a place for that and a niche. That's awesome that you found that. And, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people that, that appreciate that. That's very cool. Um, so you mentioned you, uh, fill up a lot of your time with tournaments, uh, tell everybody what series you're fishing this year and kind of, uh, you know, lay out your year, a typical year for you, how many events you kind of fish and what series you kind of focus on uh it's it's changed almost every year i'm maybe on like i don't know seven or eight years of like uh, cherry picking the the national trails that i want to do the first few years it was with kbf and kind of filling that out and and kbf was an ever-evolving thing you know both the the point system for aois was changing year after year and you now there was just so much pioneering and new stuff going on um that it, it made it kind of different every year as to how you wanted to approach and what, what you wanted to put where you wanted to put all your eggs in what basket um so after a few years of point chasing with kbf i soured on that that trail series and then 
uh, when when the Hobie BOS came along, that just set the standard for uh, how how the trail should be ran, and and and, and tend to tended to have like the the densest competition and um, was was the truest test in, uh, of the caliber of anglers uh, in, in our community. Um, and then now, obviously, Bassmaster, uh, the kayak series is uh, right up there in the mix and, and seems to have a lot of momentum, a lot of strength with that. So um, I am certainly guilty of being a destination fisherman. I will especially the last couple of years, I'll pick a, a, a time and a place, a lake and, and the time of the year based on what I think is going to be in my wheelhouse and my strengths. And I'll go in on that. Not only what I think I can be successful in the tournament, but also what I think I'm going to have a lot of fun at too, you know? Right. right. Um, and I've made some poor decisions. I've probably uh, chose to not fish some events that I would have done well or enjoyed. And then a few that I thought were going to be lights out where I got my butt kicked. So, um, but I, I tend to be more that way. Um, it's also a little bit work schedule dependent too. My work is so heavy during the summertime that I don't get a lot of events. And especially in uh, 2023, um, I've hardly fished any events minus maybe a local club like Tuesday nighter here and there all summer long. Um, so it was a very spring heavy schedule for me and then doing some of the postseason events uh, in the fall and the winter. And of course, winter time turns into Del Hollow season. Uh, so it, I don't fish a lot in the summer and that's probably going to be the case this year too. Uh, so I try to, but I, but I love a, a pre-spawner and a spawn bite. Those, those are, uh, that stuff's in my wheelhouse. So I try to stack up the events that I can and just go, I'll look on the schedule every year and be like, okay, where, uh, where do I think it's going to be a, a juicy spot for me to go fish and, um, you know, talk to the buddies a little bit and find out who's going to be there. And, uh, you know, depending on when this podcast gets released, like this upcoming weekend, as we're talking, it's going to be, uh, Bassmaster at Lake Murray. And that was one where I was like, I'm going to choose to uh, work around home and, and not fish that weekend. No, I'm, I think I'm kind of regretting that because it looks like <laughs> everyone is going to go fish that one. And you, you still gonna... got time. You still got time. You can fill out a waiver tonight and you have till tomorrow to sign up. I believe you still got time riser. I know. I just had I'm this also... conversation with Sisto like an hour ago. I'm uh, Sisto. We're trying to talk him into coming down from Pennsylvania and fishing because it's, the, the it's about the to FOMO... cap out. The FOMO is already there and like I already told work that I could work this weekend. So like I'm if if I don't get work booked this weekend, then I'm going to be mad because then I'm going to have the FOMO is going to overwhelm everything and I'm going to see them catching big ones over in Carolina and regret it. So I feel like that may have been a mistake on my part. But um, I've also spent the last basically five weeks on the road of fishing and vacation fishing and, and hitting a couple uh, derbies, too. So. I cannot complain that like last night was basically my first night in like four or five weeks in my own bed. So the good thing is if I don't make it to, to Murray, which is not looking like I'm going to get some good uh, downtime and productive time at home, but man, there's going to be, as soon as I see a few of those big ones caught out there and Murray's got them too, I'm going to be like, yeah, I should have got in on that. Yeah. That's uh, you know, it, it don't matter where it's at. There's been fisheries that I swear I would never go back to. And you start seeing 200 people mm -hmm. show up at leaderboards and you start wondering, mm -hmm. man, wouldn't it be nice if I went down there and just, you know, start, started getting into them, stumbled upon something, you know, that's a big payout. Somebody's going to win a lot of money this weekend regardless. So, um, that's, uh, the F FOMO hits me pretty hard as well. I know it's, uh, 
I wish there was some events that I went to in years past that, you know, I was like, Oh, Florida's too far. Florida's too far. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just went to Florida for the first time last year for Harris chain. It's the first mm -hmm. time I've ever fished Same. completely in Florida. So, Same. um, it's, it's honestly, uh, you know, I, the tournament didn't work out, but the, the practice I had down there was the best practice I've ever had. I mean, I had like 102 inches in practice and, uh, I was like, man, how, how have I never made it to Florida before? You know, that's how I felt too. <laughs> that's why I went there this year, th this, uh, 2024 marked my second spring, uh, clearing out a week or more to go fun fish in Florida. In addition to the week of practice for, uh, that. So between Harris chain, Fellsmere, Kiss Kissimmee chain, and a couple other lakes down there, uh, two, two January, February's in a row. I've been able to go down there and mess around and it's going to be hard not to do that every year. <laughs> That's so yeah. fun. It's so special. It's the time of year to be down there. Uh, we get to escape, uh, the, the winter blues around Tennessee during that time. And at least we're not iced out, but man, there's something special about catching a spawning bass on top water in uh, January or, yeah. uh, and wearing shorts and a t-shirt while everyone else is freezing, uh, back home. So, that's special. I would, I delayed on uh, visiting Texas for the longest time. And then a few years ago when I finally slid into Texas and had a, my first day on Lake Fork, I was like, Oh my gosh, I've been missing out. So in uh, about three or four weeks, I'm going to uh, do a little three week Texas run down there, do a Caddo tournament, the PK tournament and uh, do some fun fishing. And uh, I think even like a little Hobie photo shoot or something down there on Caddo too. I will see you there for that. I don't know if you, you knew that or not, but I'll actually I did be not. there. I, I will Let's be go. there at Caddo for that. So that's, uh, me and Riser have been talking the last couple of years that we've never actually shared a roof together, even though we got to do it. I've you know, seen each other on the water a few times. It's a uh, surprise. We're, we're sharing a roof under, uh, down in, uh, uncertain or somewhere. I don't know. Somewhere around Perfect. Caddo. I don't know. Perfect. Love to hear it. But, um, so you've been gone. So like basically a month now, so about, you know, ballpark, how many, um, you know, how, how many nights, um, or, or weeks do you think you spend, you know, out of, out of the greater Nashville area traveling? Uh, again, I, I, I tend to really cram it all into the springtime because our, our work is, uh, slows down so much in, in the winter time. So I can kind of dip out of town and they won't miss me too much or at least i try to work so hard when i am in town that uh i, I earn my rights to get out of there but <laughs> i don't know i'll probably do probably two two solid months of not of being gone um before the month of june even gets here uh, i'll probably spend two months on the on the road once it's all combined but again i i I'll, I'll usually get myself one of the northern tournaments to run at the end of summer it's usually lacrosse this year, I'm going to do the Cayuga tournament up in New York. Have you ever been to Cayuga? I have not, but um, had enough buddies uh, say how great it was last year. And they and they were like, oh, we just thought of you. And it would be in your wheelhouse and stuff that you would enjoy fishing. So I need to go up there and do that, uh, especially since I don't think lacrosse is on the schedule. Because usually that's that's a fun place for me to go messing around. And I still want to do a lot of like, you know, the St. Lawrence and uh, all that more uh, really deep into uh the upstate area up there. So I want to do that too at some point, but it's just a little bit of a haul and, and it's so easy for me to make good money during the summertime, just sticking around back home. But I really got to feel like I can justify uh, missing out on, on that income to, to go fish those derbies, but slowly but surely I'm, I'm getting in the mix and uh, checking those all out. Right. Cayuga is excellent. That's, that's a up high good. on my recommendation list and it's especially, uh, I'll be there. Yeah, you're you're a very good sight fisherman. I've I've seen that in person in Florida, and uh, that was 
that was definitely there. There were fish everywhere. I mean, it, I mean, everywhere it seemed like if there was, if you could see the bottom, you could see fish, mm-hmm. and uh, you you'll love that. And I I got my uh, first trip to St. Lawrence last year. We uh, me and Eric took a week and basically fished uh, fished Erie for a couple days um, on the Buffalo side. Fished um, Presque Isle Bay, I believe it's called for yep. for a day. Went to uh, Lake Ontario for a day and fished the St. Lawrence for a day and, and Ewing met us up there for that. And it was, cool. that was, that was pretty fun too. That was beautiful, clear water and just being away from everybody was, was awesome. I think we might've hit it just a little bit late. I think we hit it the, the week after the season opened. So those fish had been beat up pretty okay. hard based on who we had talked to at the, at the boat ramp. But man, we, we caught a bunch of fish and even, even with, you know, really kind of heavy winds, um trying to trying to sight fish we still caught a bunch of fish i couldn't imagine how good that place is as soon as the this you know the kind of official season kind of opens up mm-hmm. but um cayuga is going to be a blast that was one of the first events you know i kind of circled on the schedule this year and um it's 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 that's definitely one i'm i'm looking forward to i wish i could take some more time off work to fish that and do another week off but i'm i'm basically driving to cayuga fishing both days and driving home i i think you know that's one of those things where, um, you know, you kind of know general area. If we go the same time of year where a bunch of fish are probably going to be spawned sure. again and, and you can kind of, you know, that's one of those events that, you know, practices, you know, it's great to mark beds obviously, but it's, uh, um, one of those things where, you know, you're going to do a lot of sore lifting and practice if you start waylaying on uh, spawning fish. So that's, that's one of my things about the spring tournaments, man. It's like, you got that opportunity to hook into some of the fish of a lifetime and just have these big, big days. But say, if you got a tournament on Saturday, Sunday, basically come Thursday, you're, you're probably, especially Friday, but come Thursday, you might be hurting yourself to hook into just about anything that's up shallow. And man, it kills me, you know, whether it was like Friday at Harris chain this year, or uh, I've had so many Fridays that I had to, fish hard baits with no hooks on them or shake, shake everything off or just fish lures with no hooks on a Friday. And I'm just like, Oh God, I could have had a, you know, such a fun day. And it's almost torturous knowing that like, man, I'm, you know, my number one motivation for fishing is for fun and enjoyment. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, sacrificing bites and hopes that you get them come Saturday, Sunday can, I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a conflict of the mind. right? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's a full, uh, you know, kind of, kind of plant planning your, your thing out and trying to, you know, uh, yeah, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, but just, you know, kind of, um, leveraging your experience on the, the weekend. So I, I get it, man. I, I play, you know, it's, it's no shortage of you know, everybody kind of knows at this point that, that I like to play golf on, on Fridays, especially mm-hmm. for having a good practice. And, uh, um, that's that's something that i i enjoy and kind of keeps my mind from from overthinking events as well but um because i've i've been in that situation where it's like i I don't know what i'm gonna do i don't know what i'm gonna do you know it's like do i go here and it's like what happens if i've got a good practice and you go out on friday and you wreck somewhere you weren't expecting to then it kind of puts you in a in a conundrum so especially if we're having a good practice or i know what i'm doing man there's there's something about going somewhere and throwing the golf clubs and playing a little playing a little golf the day before the event kind of get you get to mind flowing free get the mojo right you know it's not a bad idea it's not a bad idea at all 
So, um, what do you, what do you say your preferred best, you know, perfect scenario going to a tournament? You, you, you a power fisherman, you, you prefer sight fishing over anything else. What, what's your preferred method? Uh, I'd like to have something where I can make a lot of casts with, you know, if, if you think about it as in like a cover in water and make a million casts type of approach versus a hunker down on a spot and pick it apart and rotate baits type of thing. Had success with both and I can enjoy doing both, but um if if i have it purely my way i'm probably throwing a buzz bait or a spinner bait or a chatter bait and covering water and just doing the million cast thing and even if you got to weed yeah. through fish or something like that's what i enjoy doing now that being said it can be fun sitting on a tennessee river ledge in the summertime in the month of june and just throwing the same cast over the spot over and over and let the the fish as they change their mood during the day uh dictate how your bite and how your day is going to go but and there's something fun about just like good weather conditions and being able to just fish shallow and, you know, part of the whole allure and appeal that we're into our kayaking thing is that we can get into some of those areas and uh, stay away from a little bit of those, those pressure things, maybe more so than not. So I think, I think if I could have it my way, I'd probably just throw a buzz bait all day or, or just make a million casts back and cover water. And uh, I, I was telling someone the other day, Jordan, I was like, yeah, I ran into Jordan on Sandy Cooper because uh, he and I kind of liked the same spot. And I was like, I, I was telling people, I heard this motor or what I thought was a motor from uh, a long ways away. And I was like, man, that is a weird, goofy sounding motor. It kept getting closer and closer. And then I realized it was just the loudest buzz bait I've ever heard in my life. And it's what you were throwing around there in those cypress swamps there. Um, so I, I think you can feel me on uh, covering water and just chucking and winding. Uh, that's 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 the most fun you'll have. You can do it that way and catch a bass on a tight line as opposed to just you know shaking a worm in place for a long time. Yeah, there's a there there's something to be said about me getting locked in and throwing a buzz bait all day. There's nothing that gets me more excited than being able to throw top water, especially a buzz bait. I I'm I'm a big big buzz bait guy. I've got a couple buzz baits I love. I just uh, ordered like two dozen of the, of the, my favorite buzz bait. Cause oh my gosh. I, I, I wear the wires out on those things. Cause I do some funky stuff to them. And, uh, that's, that's how they get so loud. Cause I, I tinker with them a little bit. There's an older guy at the, at the local tackle shop by my house. Um, he, he kind of tinkered with a buzz bait for me to try one time. And I went to chick and didn't really throw a buzz bait a lot up until that point. And uh, just had just a ridiculous amount of bites on a buzz bait the first time I went down there, and I, I've been sold on a buzz bait ever since, and and playing with it and tinkering it, and uh, you know it's uh, I, I break a few of them because I I play with them a lot, but yep. man, it's um, just going and throwing a buzz bait all day just gets me excited. As soon as you said that with a buzz bait, I, I got I looked down, and I saw this big old smile on my face because I was I was getting excited thinking about it, but um, ho hopefully we can, uh, the temp temperatures keep coming up so we can start slinging a buzz bait around a little more it's uh i got, I got a new buzz bait reel we're gonna rock and roll I'm, I'm i'm just waiting on it waiting on it to happen dude that was it was my main bait at uh rayburn last week you know like i didn't i didn't do anything special there but i caught numbers um both in practice and especially on saturday it was 30 40 fish and every single one of them was on the buzzer so I'm, that, I'm that just made me that a little bit that. Yeah, I, I threw the buzz bait in practice a pretty good bit and threw it quite a bit on day one on Saturday. And I don't, I might have gotten one blow up on it in practice really? and it didn't even get the hook. And I just kind of thought that was uh, not not happening. It might just uh, been, you know, difference of location. But I, uh, 
I, I, I caught all my fish at Rayburn on a, on a spinner bait on my buzz bait rod with the braid on it because they were, that was the other bite wrapped up in the buck, buck yeah. brush. Yeah. Yeah. The spinner bait was the bite for me on Sunday. And if it wasn't buzz bait and spinner bait was definitely the, the, the main thing. And I, I kind of thought like, now we all got humbled once we realized like the, the boat pros like dominated on the clear grass end and, yeah. but you, there was a good enough numbers bite and you could still run into like some, some kicker fish um fishing shallow and i actually thought of you i was like man it, this the spinnerbait buzzer bites happening like you gotta think jordan's gonna be in the mix and weeding through some fish and so uh i, I kind of thought that you're gonna really stand out uh, on that one there but the last the last year of my fishing especially 2023 i felt so obligated to get better at live scope that both of my practices and even during the tournaments I'm trying to implement it and I've done a good job of balancing that while still sticking to my, you know, pre live scope knowledge, but also putting that in the rotation. Cause I do believe that is like a big part of the future of bass fishing. And, uh, even the tournaments in 2024, both in the boat and the kayak world are, are kind of proven that. Um, so I, I'm trying to put the time in with that, but also leaning on my, my shallow beating the bank and turning the electronics off skills too. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely noticed. <clears throat> excuse me i've definitely noticed um that's something i kind of tend to lean on and, and practice to try to feel fill out an area to kind of gauge its its fishiness you know because i still have not been able to um kind of roll up on a spot and practice and and look at it and be like oh man this this is it this is you know i can sit here and, and scope for the next two days and and rock and roll it's it's still definitely a a, a tool in the toolbox but it's uh it's not really been able to shine for me that this the same way it has for guys that are obviously a lot more comfortable and 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 all that with it. I I bought a bunch of stuff um, at the tackle shop to try to get um, you know more live scope friendly baits and and do that recently and um, you know try try to get get to the point where you know I can be more comfortable with it and lean on it in a tournament. I've you know, kind of picked up some bonus fish here and there with it, but it's, mm -hmm. it's not been, you know, a, um, you know, it's, the whole it's limits, more, all scope fish. Or yeah. Something it's, like. it's been a lot more mashed potatoes and, and mac and cheese and not the steak in my entree. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's still worthwhile, like, uh, learning it. And I feel like there's so much to learn and still have a lot of pioneering going on in that, but, um, it's fun. I, I, I just want to get better at the sniping, like to find them a, a lone wolf fish and getting that, those fish to eat. And then, you know, if you can get a couple of those fish in your limb and I feel like those can be the, the difference makers. So uh, it's, I understand all the, the gripes and the sour taste that people have in their mouth over that. Cause it's an expensive endeavor just to catch a silly bass. But um, I'll, I'll tell you one that's like, uh bitter towards it or hesitant towards it like it is kind of the future and it and there's a lot of fun to be had and even even for like monetary considerations and guiding considerations like i'm sure guys that are on like catch them up uh hybrid striper and crappie trips now like have so much more to offer i've seen it here in the local lakes in the nashville area like the guides here that's that's their income is people wanting to catch striped fish and crappie because they can just scope them and make that happen a lot more so it's 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 a never evolving thing that's uh if, if you approach it with a positive mindset it can be a fun thing to keep up with in bass fishing 
Yeah, it's it's definitely became, you know, kind of an astronomical player as as far as you watch professional trails, whether it's uh seeing crappie kind of stuff or or just professional bass fishing. It's mm-hmm. it is um you know, I, I don't want to say taken over because that sounds bad, but I mean it it's the vast majority of guys, if you're watching them, that's that's what they're doing. And um, you know, I, I think kind of part of the reason guys have like a bad taste is the guys that are kind of on the fence about it are watching, you know, MLF and, and bass and they're seeing those guys and it, it's not exciting to watch. You know what I mean? And not it kind of takes, it, it kind of rolls, um, uh, snowballs the effect of, of guys that are, that are on the fence about it. And, you know, when they watch it, 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 it's not one of those things that gets people excited the same way watching a guy throw a buzz bait. Yeah. Or everybody's seen those videos of guys throwing those pop bars at Hartwell and stuff when the, the shad and, and herring are spawning. You see all those big topwater blowups on Bass Live. Mm-hmm. I mean that 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 gets you excited to go buy go buy some pawpaws and, mm-hmm. and go topwater. You know what I mean? It's it's um you know you hear guys at tackle shops. You know the tackle shop owners are like you know I don't I don't, I don't sell any crankbaits anymore. I don't sell any rattle traps anymore. It's you know guys are coming in and and buying jig heads and and soft plastics that are lasting forever yep. because they're not getting them hung because they can you know see their bait all day. Yep, there's man. There's some. There's something to be said about on the on the live scope topic about having just a few months understanding ahead of your competition, um, and that can be with anything. I watched it happen with the Whopper Plopper. You know, like that for some reason that one stands out as an example where like before a lot of people were throwing that that lore like dominated. Like you could go out and really yeah. catch them up on that. So like it, it's crazy to see how quickly some of these fish can get conditioned to different techniques and lures. And if you can stay a little bit ahead of the rest of the the competitive field on, even if you just got a couple months knowledge ahead and then they catch up to, to wherever you had, if you can just stay a little bit ahead of your competition on a couple little sneaky things. Um, it can, it can drive you through the season. So that's kind of what I'm doing, especially since I tend to take off my summers from fishing. Like uh, my, my, a lot of my goals are more just like, staying ahead of the the rest of the competition as much as possible with a, a couple little tips and tricks and education things and, and now it's like pretty much all live scope stuff that I, you got to stay on top of yeah I, I remember it's funny you mentioned the whopper plopper the first time i ever saw a whopper plopper i was with um <clears throat> josh agey and uh he's he's kind of your your neck of the woods we i went down there to fun fish with him um i believe we were on the stones river and i don't know exactly mm-hmm. where we were and i just I just uh, know that's kind of in, in your neck of the woods. And man, I, I remember seeing that thing and was like, what in the world? That is the goofiest looking thing I've ever seen. And the dude caught fish all day mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, man, you, you got another one of those. I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to try to throw everything in my tackle box before I give up and ask for a bait. Cause something's got to be similar. And man, when, when that thing came out, if you weren't throwing whopper plopper, if that was all anybody, when people seen that, that's what they were throwing after that. Yep. And, uh, you know, it went from, you know, throwing the nineties and uh, you know, whopper plopper 90. That's a cool bag. Yep. You know, that's throwing that thing all the time. Then I found out what a whopper plopper 130 was. And then it was game mm-hmm. over. It was shut down game over. I think that was the only top water I threw for like two years. Cause it got it done. It got, and you know, it's it like you, like the 90 became my favorite. And then, it, you know, the 110 was other people's favorites. Like uh, just staying ahead of the trends and keeping up with the trends is, is part of the work to, to be done. It's kind of fun too. It's not fun for everyone. It's fun for me, but uh, trying to keep up with things is uh, part of it, especially in the competitive uh, realm. 
yeah, get, getting a hold of a bait that's that's not been uh, that not every fish in the world has seen, especially mm-hmm. with the number of people that you know we we go a lot we go to a lot of destination fisheries like you said, and you know the one of the things that comes with the destination fishery is the amount of pressure that's there. Correct. And uh, you you go to places like Chick and and you know I could only imagine what guys that were throwing you know a chatterbait you know bladed jig before that was a popular <laughs> thing because still to this day you watch. Um, you know, meetings, check-ins, tournament results, and everything like that. You hear half the top ten. Oh, I'm throwing a chatterbait, thunder cricket, bladed jig. You know, whatever. And you know, could you imagine having having one of those before everybody else did? I mean that 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 is borderline cheating at that point in time. Right. I, I could imagine that was just next level. Uh, just have ahead of the curve on that one. I was late to the the vibrating jig game and the chatterbait game. I didn't get. I was a spinnerbait guy before I was a chatterbait guy. And then after, you know, seeing winter after winter, just being like, I just do the chatterbait all day long. I finally got around to that. Now you got to consider too, middle Tennessee doesn't have the the grass fisheries. Like a lot of the, the, you know, you get three hours outside of middle Tennessee and you got no shortage of grass, but um, so maybe that's one reason why I was a little bit late coming around to the chatterbait. But uh, now it's, I, darn near have a rod that's only going to ever have a chatterbait on it and that's it and it'll always be with me like all year long it's it's one of those like magical baits for sure i've uh i've never actually spent too much time in in middle tennessee i've I've never fished old hickory or percy priest i've got um that's okay a a tennessee bass nation event at old hickory i'm gonna go to old hickory i think for the first time this year and, if it's uh, if that one's still happening, I'm not sure. Or if it got moved, you may want to double check on that one because at first I was excited about it, but now I'm not sure. Like if the date got changed, so double check that. But that used to be that yeah. you know, old, old Turkey used to be like a mainstay and used to have like lots of grass and used to be like a, a destination lake in Tennessee. But um, there's a lot of like what I just call like C plus fisheries around Middle Tennessee good enough to justify to go out and make a day and you'll learn something, but tough enough to where like, if you do actually want to catch something, you're going to have to have days where you don't catch fish or um, more days where it's tough uh, than not, as opposed to someone that maybe has, you know, the Tennessee river in their backyard, they can go out and catch them up or stand a good chance of catching them up. Like when just by showing up at all, so yeah, there's some kind of refining element um, about Middle Tennessee and the greater Nashville areas, especially now that Kentucky Lake's not what it used to be. Um, you know, it's, it's on the it's on the bounce back though. I I'm convinced after our Hobie event there and Good. how many guys caught you know 16 inch fish. Good. That I I am fully convinced that that Kentucky Lake. I I was really hoping Hobie was going to go back to Kentucky Lake this year, and I was probably in the minority. Um, but it was, I, I can't wait to go back to Kentucky Lake. I think I've tried to put one on the schedule this year, um, to, to do, but it's, uh, I, I think Kentucky Lake is, is, is going to be fine here, here next year. Or so I think it'll kind of get its, its popularity back and the same way, um, Gunnersville was kind of bouncing back this year because, um, Gunnersville's never really a miserable fishery. Um, no. but, but man, it's it has its ups and downs and when it is up, it is one of the best lakes in the entire country. Hands down. I think the entire Tennessee river has its own high standard, right? You know, like when Mine is the, loud and teleco, yeah. I, I can attest to that, but go ahead. Or Watts bar too. Right. Like I feel like Watts bar is a little bit of a, a, a what I haven't bar, been, so I, I'm only talking. What, what, not by Watts bar was, I would, 
there is a good amount of time in the last handful of years, minus, you know, basically the last year and a half or so. Um, there is, for the majority of the time that I've been kite fishing, I would much rather go to Watts Bar than Chick. Right. Um, I, I was telling people there for a few years uh, before they started spraying the grass that I thought Watts Bar was going to be better than Chick. Um, it, it didn't pan out that way. And by all means, I, I, I was wrong, but I think if they would leave, uh, leave Watts bar alone and, and quit letting people spray the grass, I, I think that place mm. has the utmost potential possible with, with them dumping Florida strain in there. Cause there's okay. that, that fishery is, is special. I, I think it is every bit of what Chickamauga can be and, and has more potential if they would leave it alone personally. I've never cast a line on Watts Bar, never cast a line on Nick and Jack, and, you know, I know there's plenty of fish in both, so, uh, the, yeah, people tend to have their favorites and preferences on Tennessee River, and, and you, Jordan, tend to have uh, a unique opinion about a lot of fisheries as far <laughs> as, like, some places that are acclaimed a a destination spots. You'd be like, never again. I never want anything to do with that. And then other yeah, places. Yeah, you, you mentioned are, Lacrosse earlier, and I don't care if we ever I go know. back to Lacrosse. Yeah. I, I that is which I think place. that place is awesome. I love it. It's so cool. I I just for whatever reason I have not found. I I've never even had a day. I I spent a whole week at, at Lacrosse. One of the first times I went up there, and not one time in a whole week did I ever feel like, oh, I could fish here. You know what I mean? Every single place I've been the entire time has been just it. it nothing has ever clicked, it, even in the slightest point at that place. And I, I do not know what it is because every time people people assume I'm going to love lacrosse because it should be in your wheelhouse, dude. Yeah, that one should like line and up with you. And yeah. I just I, I, I cannot get the I can't get the mojo right at lacrosse. I don't know. I need to go up All there right. and play golf before a tournament or something. Maybe 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 get my mind right up there fair enough fair enough that, but i always enjoy your takes on places because it's usually like oh that's like <laughs> i think i didn't experience chickamauga when it was peaking out but i've been there enough to be like yeah i still think this place is pretty great and like has a lot of good fish in it but you know i guess it's too like if you experience kentucky lake when it was at its prime that's one of the best like things ever for bass fishing and so like now yeah. i have this like probably too high of a standard or expectations for Kentucky Lake. And even if it is bouncing back, it's like, I'm, I'm going to have this, you know, image in my mind of what it was like when it was really, really firing. And now it's a different place. You know, there's a small mouth bite to be had and uh, I just haven't delved into that yet. So they're always was, changing. It's, it's what makes it fun bouncing around from place to place. Absolutely. I, I was very blessed to, to, spend the, the first time the first year i went to chick I, you know me and my dad would go down to chick and and fish it at night and it was an excellent you know spinnerbait night fishery for a while i did not like fishing it in the daytime um back in the day i kind of had my little jig and, and tackle company and i would go down there and fish with steve-o and those guys and i would go down there and did not care about the tournament and i would just sell jigs in the parking lot afterwards and i was perfectly fine doing that and I think the first three times I fished it in a kayak, I think I zeroed all three times. And, uh, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of chick kayak tournaments. And I was like, I'm going to spend a bunch of time. So I would go down there two Saturdays a month for like three or four months and, uh, tried to try to get to the point where I felt like I could, I could learn it. And, um, I think I won the first kayak tournament the following year down there. And I was like, okay. And like the year after that, after spending all that time and then fishing a bunch of tournaments purposefully down there, all local tournaments, 
um, was kind of when chick started, started showing out the following year yeah. after that. And I think my best five that year from chick, when it was just, when there was 110 pounders caught down there, I think I had like 115 inches on my best five that year. And, and my PB came from chick that year. I yep. caught a 25 incher in August down there. And that, that, that puts in perspective, there's not a lot of 25 inch fish caught, you know, in, in many fisheries in the country. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of 25 inches being caught in the end of summer. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So that, that chick, I have a very love hate relationship with chick where, um, I've been very fortunate to win a lot of money at chick, but I do yep. not get excited to go to chick when I see tournaments there. You know what I mean? Because Every time we always go to Chick, there's always going to be 150 bass boats there. I don't care if it's yep. February or November or July. There is an astronomical amount of bass boats there. And it, it's it's always something to be said about trying to get somewhere and, and fight bass boats and, and deal with that mental aspect of being on Chick yep. for X amount of days. The, 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 you got to keep your emotions in check if you're going to be around the crowds. And I think part of the uh, the allure and the reason a lot of us are into the kayak fishing is so that we can get away from the crowds. So even though there's opportunities to really catch them up on these uh, big fisheries, there's also the opportunity that you're going to run into no shortage of boaters that uh, may not uh, agree with uh, what's going on in the water and, and your your current logistics out there to you. So it's, it's constant yeah, it's battle. I've had some some kind of uh, uh, disrespectful disrespectful oh, events yeah. on on chick. You know, we we've all had them at, at big fisheries. I know chick always stands out in my mind. We, it does. We, were, we we were fishing a tournament there. It wasn't a big tournament, but uh, I was in um, Saudi Creek. You know, everybody knows Saudi Creek at chick, one of the probably biggest creeks on the lake. And uh, mm -hmm. I had a, there was a bass boat tournament that day, and I had a guy literally pull up beside me and cast into the same tree i was casting on they dropped the troll motor and literally flipped into yeah. it and i was like no it, big it, deal that, that's one of the first things i think of when i think of chickamauga and pressure you know what i mean and that's i've i've never had anything kind of really you know that agree just happen so i guess when i think of pressure at any fishery that's that's what i think of it it chick and you know that's you know partially me for thinking of the, the the bad thing first when it when it comes to a fishery like that but you know as as time goes on it's it's one of those things where i'm trying to fill fill it with more more fun memories of of tournaments and things like that at that fishery because it, it's it's treated me well but uh um it's a reality treated, though yeah and it's it's treated you well too i know we've we've shared a lot of time on stage at, at chick events so um i like it yeah it's 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 a special special fishery as as much as i like talking bad about it so let's uh let's switch gears a little bit what um what's your on the road playlist if you're gonna start you can choose album or or general genre of music what's your uh you know eight hour road trip what you, what you starting the playlist off as and I was kind of curious to know the same thing about you too and for me my answer it's like 50 50 podcast versus music um some days the whole day it's no podcast and I just need some tunes and it's like usually all over the place. And that's, that's where my, my musical proclivities are, are really are there. They're all over the place and change day by day. And then uh, other times it's, I just need to hear conversation and, 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 and uh, hear, hear some good uh, back and forth on a podcast. That's one of my favorite uh, mediums to consume. I, I enjoy a long form conversation and getting into the details and 
and my podcasts are almost all exclusively fishing or comedy. So I'm either trying to laugh and lighten my mood and take my mind off of some fishing stuff or like listening to some current fishing podcasts about uh, how the pros caught them on a lake the week before to kind of give me an idea how things are. But man, as far as music goes, I am truly all over the place. So my background, like I've, I've been lucky enough to tour the world playing like hardcore and punk rock and metal music. So I still have an affinity for that, but there's some days where like, I'm only going to listen to like blues music that where nothing was recorded after like 1965, like just straight old school stuff like that. Um, I love like Memphis and Houston hip hop. That's some of my favorite stuff. And I'll listen to that on very regular rotation. Give me juicy J and three, six mafia all day. I mean, that's, that stuff like gives me life to no end. Um, and other days will be straight bluegrass. So, I mean, it, it really is all over the place. It's whatever, just whatever I'm in the mood for. Um, tends to be kind of seasonal. Like I may put on like some reggae or something like that during the, the summertime. And then during the wintertime, it may be more like a uh, folky or acoustic kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always changing. I'm, I'm a huge music fan. I'm a huge fan of just like the arts and creativity in general. So, um, that's always gonna gonna be in in, in my mix at some point, but but the the is they call it the windshield time. Podcasts and music are a huge deal. I don't I'll do my phone calls. I know a lot of people like knocking out those phone calls when they got those long drives, yeah. and I'll do some of those. But even on the drives where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna take care of some phone calls today, I end up just jamming out or listening to something anyway, and not even making those calls. So. Uh, it, it is a big part and I'm very grateful for my, my Spotify because I'm always like bouncing around on that thing. How about yeah, you? I'm, what are some of some mainstays in yours? I'm I'm heavy on the Spotify too. I'm probably 75% music and, and 25% okay. podcast. Um, re- recently, podcast wise, I thought of you the other day. Um, the um, There's there's a podcast I've been listening to, uh, Scales and Tales. They, they've one. started doing a... Um, on through Swimbait Universe, they do a magazine. It's basically a big Swimbait magazine. Cool. And uh, they do a big Swimbait podcast. And the guy that does it's name's uh, Adrian. He's a young guy. He's like probably, I'm going to say ballpark 21, give or take. And uh, man, there's there's quite a few episodes and they're they're pretty, they're pretty, pretty in depth. There's, there's a good amount of time on them. You know, most of them are, uh, you know, over an hour. And, uh, you know, it kind of e- eats up some, some windshield time and, you know, talking about big swim baits and that's something that there's not, uh, uh, an overwhelming amount of information, mm-hmm. especially not with podcasts. So that's something that's kind of piqued my interest lately. Um, you know, as far as music goes, I'm, I'm heavy, um, <clears throat> kind of Texas red dirt kind of stuff. Um, um you know, other than kind of the obvious stuff, I'm trying to, trying to think, um, it's, it's a shame, but, uh, you know, obviously you, like, you don't have, you don't have like a big like guilty, that, play, like, yeah, I'm not opposed to listening <laughs> to Taylor Swift. I literally have a Taylor Swift playlist <laughs> of like, I've, I've taken the time to go through it now. Now my job is also like working with bachelorette parties. So like at some point I have to be in touch with like what, <laughs> what the girlies are into these days, but I've literally gone through like Taylor Swift discography, listened to it all. And then picked out, like cherry picked like a dozen or 15 songs that I think are really good. I'll listen to Taylor Swift sometimes. And like, you know, not many people may guess or or think that. So there's some oddball stuff that I'll 
bounce over to, but for the most part, I think people would not be surprised by some of the stuff I'm into, but you don't have any like out there stuff. They'd be like, Oh, I wouldn't have guessed Jordan to be like jamming that out type of thing. Um, not really. I, I kind of listen to, to everything. Um, I, I mean, I, I do, um, uh, kind of 80, 80s rock. I like, I'll get in the mood and, and jam out to 80s rock. Um, me and an older guy at work, I was training yesterday. Um, we, we sang, uh, poorly sang a Joe Walsh song as we were going back and forth from the, from the landfill, just, just didn't need one of us. I don't think missed a word. And we had a, had an absolute blast, but I don't think I have like a guilty pleasure, pleasure, kind of strange, uh, musical taste. Um, you mentioned, um, kind of blues kind of stuff, but, you know, I rotate in mm. kind of the, the big ones, you know, your, your green onions and, and stuff like that, you know, kind of you know, vibey kind of stuff. That's not something I've really dove into heavily, but, um, you know, if, if I'm hitting the road, like, if, you know, tomorrow when I'm, I'm hitting the road, I'm probably queuing up or, uh, Thursday when I hit the road, I'm probably queuing up the, the newest treaty Oak revival album that I've been jamming to. Cause it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good one, but, uh, I'm heavy, heavy country music, Texas red dirt kind of stuff, yeah. less, little bit less of the Nashville country kind of stuff, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's all time. good. I, I listen to about anything. Some every now and then I'll get some, uh, some nineties gangster rap in just to, just to change. The mood up. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that if, if there's anything that people probably wouldn't guess every now and then, you know, uh, to hear me bumping some Tupac as I'm driving down the road kind of doesn't, uh, might, might surprise some people, but it's not heavy in the rotation. You know what I mean? That's why you got to have it there, like ready to go. That's why that Spotify is so good. You don't got to carry the CD case with you. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Whatever you're in the mood for, it's going to be there for you. But you know, music's so awesome. It's one of the, the universal languages. Everyone can get into it. It's kind of the same with bass fishing. It's like, you know, I don't have to share every belief or philosophy with everyone. We could just all celebrate the fact that, like, we enjoy like catching a bass and being in nature and and uh get, getting all the fulfillment that comes from that and the enrichment and the enrichment that comes from that so music fishing i see a lot of parallels as far as the the rewards you can get from them and uh, both of them are still constants in my life absolutely so um is there anybody that uh you know you, you want to shout out any any of your road dogs i know you mentioned before we hopped on here that uh i know you and russ spent a lot of time together and you were it, it, it Russ's right now or Russ's office doing the, doing the, doing the podcast with the, with your fancy green screen background and your, and your piano back there. I know, uh, yeah. I know you spend a lot of time with Russ and any road dogs you want to shout out or, and, or is there anybody that you, uh, want to spend more time with out on the road? Yeah. Uh, so I, I live with Russ Snyder. Some people know that some people don't. Um, and as, even though we're fully open and candid with each other about you know, all fishing stuff, um, we fish differently enough. And like, I've, I've known the guy long enough that if I try to fish or follow a rust pattern, it almost never works. <laughs> you know, it, the, the only thing that I can take out of sharing notes with Russ is one that he catches them everywhere he goes. Um, but yeah. also I can just be like, okay, I, I at least know there may be, uh, they'll eat a spinnerbait a little bit or something with, you know, if I got a few, you know, the, the road, Cody Milton's probably my favorite buddy to, to travel with. Um, I just saw him for the first time in a while last week on my way back from Rayburn. I stopped and stayed with him for a night. And even though he is 
by and large, mostly retired from fishing and is all in on pickleball now. That's I'm that's what to, I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. And I did not understand the, the degree that he is into pickleball. He is this. This is my opinion, not his. He is trying to be the Michael Jordan of pickleball, and he's doing everything correctly to do that. And I would not be surprised if that's exactly what you're going to see from the dude. But he's all in on it, just like I've seen him be all in on bass fishing, and then I've seen him dominate doing that. Um, Absolutely, that that man's won every AOI that he's ever attempted. I feel like, and and I know he's won uh, bass, uh, Hobie, and and KBF with within a two year span. I think he won all three of them. So uh, C- Cody's a hammer. I, I need to, I need to hit him up about the pickleball. I just played pickleball for the first time really last week. Yeah, I just never uh oh, yeah. I, I see the he's old your next out guest. there yeah I, I need to i need to have milton on here before uh before he gets completely out of the fishing realm so man, we're, we're trying to we, we just me, me and steve-o just picked up his uh kayak from dugout so now we just got to get it over to a uh, little rock in, in his possession and i think that's going to motivate him to get into a couple uh kayak tournaments this year or else that dude is very much fully committed to pickleball, but he's one of my favorite guys that I've uh, had the pleasure of sharing a lot of houses with and done a lot of fishing with both uh, on the water and off the water. He's one of my favorite people and and we mesh really well. Um, This year I've done a lot of fishing with Christine Fisher. Um, I've done a good bit of fishing with her her the last few years, but uh, especially a lot of fun fishing everything. Her and I have uh, done done a lot. And so um, it's cool too when one of my favorite things is when I get to be a fan of my friends, no matter what their pursuit is, be it music or fishing or whatever. Whenever my friends are successful in their endeavors, like I get so excited and happy about that. So like seeing someone like Christine, who's been a close friend of mine, uh, get the success and the rewards that she's doing in our sport. And, and again, a lot of pioneering um, going on. That's really cool. Um, basically just our whole kayak community is extra spoiled and special as far as like having good people to, to, to be around. But some of those standouts, like, uh, you know, Co- Cody's one that like, I'm, I'm realizing how much I enjoy being around him because he ain't around right now. He ain't uh, yeah. in the mix with the tournaments, but, uh, he's, he's one that comes uh, first to mind. So I'll shout out the homie Cody and, uh, maybe it'll motivate him to try to get in on a, a few more derbies that he wasn't considering because he has got his schedule filled up with pickleball, but, uh, go. Yeah, I, I told him I was like, you need you need to make a Cody Cody Milton pickleball or whatever they call it. You know, we all got our names followed by a fishing yeah. tag with our, like. You, you're going to want to keep up with what he does in that sport because I think it is going to be kind of special what he ends up doing. That's that's awesome. He he needs a Cody Milton pickleball paddle. It's more of a reality than you realize, dude. Like it really is. That's, that's awesome. That's, and you hit the nail on the head with the, with the kayak fishing community. It is, uh, it is, it is a tight knit group that, uh, is, is very welcoming, um, and, and, and special man. That's, uh, and there, there's something to be said, um, that I feel like doesn't happen as much in other sports where, um, you, you get to a lot of check-ins and and weigh-ins, you know, and all that, where guys are very happy for other people. Um, that yes. they have literally competed against for the last two days. I mean, you um, you see that you know it uh, are check-ins and and with you know professional teams that you see on TV where 
Like even like I went to a hockey game for the first time the other day. There was like one person from each team after the hockey game that went and, you know, shook each other's hands afterwards, you know, kind of the formalness where they were, you know, friends on, on other teams versus, you know, if we have a hundred guys show up or, or, you know, say 50 or 60 guys at the TOC, you know, there's a lot of people that are going and talking to each other because they're friends. Hey man, where are you going next? Hey, I won't see you for a few months. I'll see you when, when things pick back up because there's there's a lot of really good friendships that have that have come from from kayak fishing and traveling in our our groups in this community i'm, t- I'm telling you classy is still cool classy will always be cool um there and i'm a huge fan of like the the outlaws the rebels like the ones that are rough around the edges and that you know put some push some boundaries like uh, those are needed in all sports and all competition but um, I think celebrating classy is always something that needs to be done and uh, needs to get focused on. There's just like with anything, there's a balance to be struck, like with your character and color personalities versus like the ones that are kind of put their head down and just keep it classy. Like, but both are, are good and worth celebrating in my opinion. Yeah. You, you're not wrong. Um, you have anything you mentioned, you had some, some, some notes you, you want to tackle yeah. some of those before we, before we wrap things up, we just so, right yeah. over an hour. So we're, we, we're going to knock out some, some bonus questions. Maybe we'll do some rapid fire stuff. And, uh, I, I, but I came up with a, a short list of things and when I think a road dog and I'm thinking like, all right, time on the road. And when you're not competing, like there's all these other elements that are constants and, and fr- frequent things that you come across in your time. So a lot of it has to do with like the driving from A to B, right? And yeah. in that drive-in, you have, like we already talked about music or podcasts is a big deal. Now let's talk about what kind of stops we got to make, right? <laughs> so some of the things that like, to me, I'll just put out one of my bigger ones that I, that I made a note of right off the bat. Let's say, Jordan, you, you, you're knocking out a long drive to a tournament. In this case, you're probably going to be going to Florida or somewhere south, right? Gotcha. You're hungry. You're, 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 you're parched. And you see that freeway sign for this exit, and it's got two places. It's got a Bucky's and a Wawa. Which one are you pulling into? I'm pulling into a Bucky's straight okay. up. And there's nothing wrong with Wawa. I like Wawa when we go and are around them. But if they're at the same place, I'm pulling into Bucky's. I'm getting my cheap gas, and I'm getting uh, two things to eat. I'm getting uh, some sort of barbecue. Um, and I'm getting, they've got like a little cold thing in their cold section that is, uh, venison sausage, crackers, and cheese or, uh, uh, pretzels, venison, venison sausage, pretzels, and cheese in a little cup. And it is fantastic. Okay. So sauces and cheese is what's really motivating you to pull it. Now, Steve Owens turned me on just this past weekend to the Texas cheesesteak at Bucky's. And that's a little bit of a sleeper. I feel like. I'll, I'll have to check that out. I do love a cheesesteak. I had a chicken Philly cheesesteak for lunch today, and it, I I get down with the, with the with the cheesesteak program. This he Steve told me it was a Philly cheesesteak, and then I walked in there and it's a Texas cheesesteak, so it's a it's a little bit of a sidestep, but that one's awesome. What, what um, makes a that, Texas cheesesteak a Texas cheesesteak? I think there's like jalapeno peppers as opposed to like Italian peppers or something. Like it's not too much of a difference, but it was really good. And I wouldn't have guessed that to be like something that you would gravitate towards at a Bucky's. But now me, like same question on my end, 
especially in Florida, I'm going to Wawa. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, drinks, everything. It's like anything you want made to order. Um, and, and just in this past, like, a uh, few weeks that I spent in the Orlando area and where I was at, at a Wawa almost every day, it seemed like there's no better <sighs> – I was going to say there's no better people watching, but Bucky's is like 10 out of a 10 people watching too. You get like the volume at the Bucky's. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get the volume of, of, yeah. of individuals. You put that many people in any place, you're going to have plenty of watching going on. But I feel like that's a good debate. Um, what's our, I, I know you like a good cut of steak uh, to eat when you're on the road too. Now, are you, Guilty. But are you going with a, a, a that slice of, slice of beef or are you going with some seafood if given the option? Are you trying to like, you know, every once in a while we'll get around the oyster or the shrimp places where, or, you know, you get down in Cajun country. I feel like you got to take advantage of that. Like, do, do you got any certain foods that you'll gravitate towards based on the region that you're in? Cajun country for sure. We, we got to hit up one of those places uh, like local, local dive Cajun joints. Mm-hmm. Um, got to get some crawfish. Um, when, when we were down in, in Florida, me and Eric, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Abby and, uh, Abby's buddy that flew down from Pittsburgh, we, we met and, uh, had a big, uh, kind of a, a seafood bowl. I had crab, uh, crab legs and, and crawfish and, and obviously all the good stuff, the potatoes and, and corn and all that. It's, I, I try to hit up all, all local joints when, when we're at those places and uh, the the more hole in the wall, the better, because that's where I feel like the best food's at. But got to got to get some Cajun food when we're when we're down in Louisiana. Got but, to. Uh, it's it's I, I eat steaks on Saturday night almost almost every time we go. In. So that, that's uh, to to me. If we get a group of guys, and and I talked to Eric today, he's picking up steaks for Murray for Saturday night. Saturday night steak night. If you have a bad day, you still have something to look forward to, and if yes. you have a great day, you have something to celebrate. It's, yes. it's a win-win. And, and either either way, way, it's the same result for me. It's either like, you know, uh, for me, it's usually like ice cream or candy or something like that. It's like, oh, I had a terrible day. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, my caloric intake will, will get rid of those woes or, oh, I had a great day on the water. Let's celebrate by some caloric intake yet again. Yeah. Um, all right. I got two more that I'm going to throw you away and then, and then I'll, uh, wrap up with a, uh, a good story or an anecdote that I have that was recent. Absolutely. Too um let's talk about your caffeine preferences what are you caffeinated with are you coffee energy drink what are we going with i uh i don't really do a whole lot of caffeine uh good uh, uh, coffee or um or or energy drinks i used to drink like two monsters a day and i thought one day i was having a heart attack when i drank three yep. so i pretty much don't drink any sort of energy drink anymore good job. have a have a um a, a maybe a cup of a little bit of coffee maybe every every six months that's not really my thing wow. um but i i'm heavy on uh on sweet tea and that's i don't think that's a surprise to anybody that i drink a lot of sweet tea that's my that's my thing and with a splash of lemonade oh arnold palmer's hard to beat that's kind of was going to be my last question it was like what was going to be your like your sweet or your your sugar fix and it sounds like that tea is the the main thing on that one yeah, it's 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 definitely the sweet tea for for sure. I mean, without a doubt. Or or if I'm trying to stay up drive driving, I, I like the, uh, the the same Arizona tea that makes the Arnold Palmer makes like yes. a green green tea with ginseng and honey in it. I, I I think that's fantastic. That's 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 another slept on 
Is, there's is usually a couple tea. empty Arizona green tea cans in the floor of my truck at all times. Like those are, free and, and they're still me. cheap. They, they ain't charged an arm or leg for them. Like anything else. They're not 99 cents anymore, but they're like yeah. a dollar and something, which is still cheap. Hard to beat. Hard to beat. Um, so I've got a, I've got a recent, um, kind of wild Airbnb story. And of course, if you travel, how we do like where you stay, you're gonna you're gonna accumulate some uh, some stories at some point. So um, if if you're if you're down for it, I'll give you a good recent story from uh, Florida here. A- absolutely, I, I I might share one afterwards myself because there's there's no shortage of Airbnb stories with anybody that's doing what we're doing. That's why I figured, and I figure it's appropriate for the road dogging thing. So um, even though this could go in any number of directions, like more of the recent ones was we uh, we had the Hobie BOS at Harris Chain down in Florida in the Orlando area, and uh, we had our, our our common Dakota Lithium house where uh, the Dakota crew gets a house, and this one we had roughly ten people staying there, maybe more, maybe or less, or some people maybe come in like day before the tournament, but basically about a ten person head count. And uh, the Airbnb's booked, and uh, I believe Christine Fisher was the first one to arrive and kind of check into the place on, I don't know, Monday or something leading up to the tournament. And uh, she gets to this place, which is supposed to be like basically two different houses on the same property uh, because it's so many bedrooms that we require for how many people that are going to be there. And she checks in the one place, and it looks kind of odd or whatever, and it's kind of set up weird, and there's a bunch of... Uh, blatant security cameras inside the place and that's one that's like a big no-no for airbnbs and, and verbos and stuff she walks down to the secondary house where the remainder of the bedrooms are and there's literally like only signs of someone living in there there's like dog literally dogs in there that are chasing her out and like uh <laughs> certain, certain things have been smoked within the last few hours in there and it's very obvious and so like it's not as advertised is basically what I'm getting at here at all um, to the point where it's like you, this is definitely going to be a minimum half refund, if not a full refund. Well, she, she, uh, then she calls like the, the, the proper people and then has a property, a, a property manager um, come meet her. And it turns out it was the dude that was living in one of the houses that's supposed to be completely cleared, cleaned out and rented out to us. And this dude is completely off his rocker. Um, a very typical Floridian, um, just just out there, personality type dude. For every like logical or explanation to a question that Christine might have, he runs into like a twenty minute conspiracy theory tangent. Um, again, just super typical for Florida, um, but like a walking cartoon character is what this guy is. So we make the best of the Airbnb. It's good enough that we're able to make you know, like make it work. And then a few days into practice uh i guess christine gets back to the house first and and encounters the property manager dude again and he's like oh yeah and again this place is set up kind of weird it's it's mildly under construction like nothing there is normal is how it seems um and the guy's like oh this airbnb used to be a pablo escobar house and 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 we're like what (laughs) and then he proceeds to to show Christine walk into the bedroom that's her bedroom and then he walks over to this giant bookshelf like out of the movies like grabs the bookshelf and pulls it and it folds and opens up into this <laughs> hidden door and behind it behind the hidden bookshelf 
is a giant safe with like the 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 big like turn wheel thing like a giant like industrial size safe like you'd see at a bank <laughs> he opens up that you go into the secret room that she had no idea was connected to her room and there's like and it's all the surveillance footage of all the cameras that we had to tape up and put stuff over the cameras so we weren't being you know monitored the whole time we're there total invasion <laughs> of privacy and the dude ends up saying that like the place is uh, a former hideout for a corrupt um like fbi agent or someone that like was you know was supposed to be a good guy that was, was not so much so and so now all this dude's like wild talk actually has like some legitimacy to it um which is crazy and so and then we're digging around through like the tables and stuff. And we find these brochures. It turns out the Airbnb is currently used, be it legal or not, for like ayahuasca and mushroom retreats and stuff like oh that. Oh my gosh. And it totally tracks with how like the bedrooms were kind of haphazardly set up and everything. Yeah. And so so we've got a former Pablo Escobar place that housed a dirty federal agent that is now used for like quasi-legal, perhaps like uh medicinal retreats and then the guy goes oh and there's trophy bass in the lake behind the house and so christine and g and a few others go out like one day after practice for harris chain and christine misses two fish that she was like those were double digits those were 10 pounders those were giants and this is like it's a lake behind the house but it's not much it's shallow and full of brush you can only throw like a uh an easy swimmer or like something just straight braid completely weedless back there and so fast forward to day two of Harris Chain. I didn't do as well as I wanted to. I get back to the Airbnb with uh, about 30 minutes left of daylight. And I go and I'm like, I'm just going to shove the kayak in the, with no electronics in that little lake behind the house and see what I can do and see if there really is fish in here that they said. And I catch a couple right off the bat on us. I only had a speed worm. I didn't throw anything else. And uh, I was just throwing the speed worm around, caught a couple of them, caught a four pounder. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. There are some good fish in here. And then like literally on my last cast, like the sun was all the way down and it was like, I, I didn't have, the light was gone. I, I said out loud, this could be my last cast. And I threw it out there. My speed worm got annihilated and I got completely owned by whatever fish it was. And I was like, if it's a boat, it's like, it could be a bowfin. But I was also like, if it's a bass, like it's a, it's a legit bass. Yeah. I finally, it, it like got me wrapped up in stuff and had a little bit of vegetation salad on its face. So I'm like pulling the salad away because I don't want to lip it because if it's a bowfin, you ain't trying to lip a bowfin, right? Right, right. And so like I pull the salad away. I see it's a bass. I'm like, all right, it's a good thing. I lip it, pull it up. It's a 10.7 pound bass. Biggest bass of my life. <laughs> caught it caught it behind the Airbnb that's already the weirdest Airbnb we've stayed at. So you want to talk about a memorable uh, place to stay and a, and a place that I won't forget for any number of reasons. Um, and if you do, and if you road dog it for as much as we do, I feel like you're only going to run into like goofy scenarios and places like that. But yeah, I caught a PB uh, behind the ayahuasca house. Uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago so that is that is an a plus plus slash f minus <laughs> that is an air that is an a plus plus experience but that has got to be the strangest airbnb i've ever heard right of. i'll try i'll try to get you some photos or uh we took a video of us like exploring the the secret safe room there too but you know we tried to document it a little bit but it was pretty silly once it worked out just fine but like 
yeah, and no shortage of stories that get accumulated out there on the road. Oh, a hundred percent. That 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 puts my 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 story to shame. I'm I'm gonna share a, share a quick one, but all right. Um, the the group of us that that travel together, the, the you know uh, me, Eric, and and Daniel Lyons, we call Pro Neighbor, and and Matt Millard. Mm-hmm. That you know we've traveled a, a couple of years together. Um, the uh. <laughs> I, I am banned from from selecting the Airbnb. I, I'm I'm banned. I'm I'm not allowed to. I just say yes or no, whatever, and and go from there, because uh, it was uh, my turn to uh, book a place, and it was me, Eric, and a friend of ours that that doesn't really fish a whole lot anymore. Is his he's his name is Ben Davis, but he's. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very similar to pro neighbor, uh, bo- both in their personalities and, and fishing styles. So it's, okay. it's, it's very similar for those that know Daniel, but, um, we, we, we were going to Kentucky Lake. Um, I had been there uh, a couple times and, um, I, I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to book this place on, on Airbnb. It was like, I don't know, $40 a night or something like that. It was, it was small. It said it slept, I think four people. And there was three of us and anybody that knows how they, um, kind of decide on the number of people is always two people per bed. And I did not know that right at the time. I had not had the experience with the Airbnb. It might've even been the first Airbnb place I even mm-hmm. looked, period. And, and, you know, we're, we're talking like th- it was for a Hobie Bass open. So this is at least five years ago. Um, probably six years ago before the BOS was even a series. It was just the Mm -hmm. Bass open. And um, I get down there and uh, it's basically these people's basement that they are living upstairs, actively upstairs. And uh, the pictures did not do the place justice. Uh, It was, it was redone and, and everything was nice the way it showed on there, but it was the, the, the space was, was there was no space there at all. And, um, the, the, the bathroom looked like almost like what we had at Hobie worlds where I couldn't hold my arms up, you know, right. all, all the way around. It was, it was very narrow, very small. And there was, uh, a full size bed and a futon was, was all that was there to sleep for people. And I, I, I told them and kind of was like, Hey, this, this place is kind of small. Um, we, 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 luckily Eric brought his, his air mattress because yeah, need the air mattress we, for that place. We had one full size bed of uh, a futon and we, we blew up an air mattress. The ceiling had wires hanging down. It had the, the, the air duct and, and everything was just hanging, hanging there. And the, the ceilings were not tall. I mean, you could, you could stand up and, 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 and touch all of it. And it wasn't even tucked up in the ceiling. It was just hanging there. And the, the TV didn't work. They had a giant TV that, that did not even work. And it was, it was, I, that, that was what banned me from, from tournaments and, or banned me from, from picking houses at, at tournaments. Eric, Eric will no longer let me pick places. And he drives six hours down to Kentucky Lake. And uh, when they get there, they the back post and their Tennessee trailer broke off basically backwards off the, uh, off the trailer. And, um, they had to get somebody at like, I don't know, six o'clock at night on a Thursday to try to find somebody to weld the trailer. And we had to drive up into Kentucky. Uh, the, the place was in Paris, Tennessee, not too far from mm-hmm. Paris landing boat ramp, uh, state, state park. 
we drive up into uh, Kentucky. We end up at a um, Mennonite guy's house, and um, he wouldn't take any money. And for 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 welding that, we we couldn't believe it. Right, Eric was trying to pay him some money. The guy was just happy he could help us, which was incredible. And uh, while we were sitting there waiting for this guy to to weld the trailer back up, and he was explaining you know, what was wrong or whatever, and he said, "Y'all hungry?" And we were like, "Well, you know, we we oh, had to eat. They they had you know driven all day." And uh, he said, walk on over to that little square window right there and, and tap on the window. Walked over there, tap, tapped on the window. And this guy's wife uh, had just gave us these giant bowls of shepherd's pie. Just, just giant. I mean, we ate till we that were. sounds great. Sick. It was, it was incredible. It was unbelievably tasty. And um, so we, we sit there and eat and they were just feeding us more food. And it was, is incredible. And, uh, after after the trailer gets welded up we drive back down into tennessee on whatever that road is that kind of goes you know all the way up through there through benton and all that and um come back down and uh decide to stop it um it uh blues landing my one of my favorite Mm -hmm. restaurants when we're when we're out and about anywhere yep and stopped at blues landing and i don't know i was um I don't know, six years ago. So I was probably, you know, 22, I guess. And, um, I was a a student of professional fishing. I just watched all of it. I had all the magazines Mm -hmm. and everything. And when we pulled into blues landing, that was the year that the Toyota owners tournament was at Kentucky Lake the same weekend as we were fishing. And we pull in and G man was there. Uh, and, uh, Randy Howell was there. Casey Ashley was there. Boy Duckett was there. Terry Scroggins were there. All these big names that I grew up mm-hmm. watching on TV were all there hanging out. And I, we've got pictures from that where we took pictures with with all of them. And we sat right beside them and and hung out with them. And I talked to Swindle for I don't know how long. And uh, that was probably one of the coolest experiences that, that I've had on the road that started from a terrible Airbnb <laughs> And a broken trailer that we we still talk about on occasion because um, you know I, I don't know if you know this but Casey Ashley had a, an album out a country album mm-hmm. and uh, I, I like it it's it's uh, the couple of songs that are still in my my phone on my Spotify on my kind of regular playlist um, are are his and uh, I was I was telling Eric about it when I was joking around Eric walked over and he's like he's like man. He's like, this might be the only person in this whole bar that knows you actually sing. <laughs> and I just was thinking that's such a strange way to to make an introduction to Casey Ashley. But I've got pictures of Casey Ashley. And we've got pictures of all of us. And Eric's like got his leg up in one of the pictures where he's where he's yeah. like that. And it's um that was one of the craziest experiences that uh that we've had. And and really that was when Kentucky Lake was good. And uh, we we had a, a pretty good weekend there, but that's that's one of my favorite stories of, of being on the road. And that was that was an early story before we were were all the time going places mm-hmm. when everything was kind of new. I'll tell you this: it makes you feel better. I knew Casey actually had a record out, or knew that he played music and everything. And I remember thinking like, "Oh, this dude's actually pretty good." Like whenever I heard him do his thing, but yeah, the, all it takes is like 
what se what seems like a normal uh, experience at where you're staying, and then all of a sudden the host is wanting to show you their collection of hair dolls or something like that. Then you're like, oh boy, what you know? That's that's yeah. how you get like, all right, you're not booking the Airbnbs anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm banned from Airbnb selections. Uh, still, still to this day, I, I still don't get to pick Airbnbs, and that's. But it sounds like years. you're a good one to like pick where to go out to eat, like you know. Oh like yeah, you're, that's you're the, a good one for that. That's 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 more more my speed is is picking where to eat and finding the best tackle shop in the area. That's that's my wheelhouse. There's a value to that. <laughs> Man, uh, I, I appreciate you coming on here. We got about an hour and a half. It's it's been a blast. Do you have anybody you wanna you wanna thank before we before we roll out? Man, just uh, go and check out Dugout Bait and Tackle down in Marietta, Georgia. Um, what they're doing down there for all for rigging kayaks and just uh, you know it's a tackle shop, so they got everything you can want down there. But uh, Jamie Cozen and the gang down there try to have a, a lot of um, forward thinking as far as uh, the innovation of the rigging out, and especially us tournament anglers that are you know putting every bell and whistle you can think of uh, on the kayaks while still trying to keep it clean and concise. It's a, it's a constant battle, and uh, they they really do uh, do the best job of it down there. So. Absolutely. Um, I'll just throw dugout as my main one down there. Cause it, it all comes back around to them. I got other sponsors too, but, uh, w whatever I'm affiliated with, you can uh, wrangle up a dugout down there. So I'll just give a shout out to the dugout. And, uh, as always, like all the, all the people like yourselves that do the podcast, it's my favorite, uh, format going long form. And, uh, got a few extra minutes out of your show tonight, but, uh, it's, it's what I appreciate just getting out there and talking fishing and celebrating what we enjoy, which is getting out there and catching some bass. So uh, grateful for, for yourself and all of it, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Du you, you hit the nail on the head with dugout, man. I, I talked to, uh, to Steve and, and sent some texts back and forth with Jamie today. I'm about to start getting my, my 2024 rig squared away. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I've been, I've been working on a checklist of, of notes to, to send. And I think I finally got it squared away and, and uh sent to jamie about what i was what i was looking at and they're they're about to start on start on my boats so we can we can rock and roll before the the season gets hot and heavy so they're Heck they're yeah. working on my boat shortly so they do a fantastic job and i appreciate you saying that and uh i think we're gonna roll out uh shout out to the guys jeff lambert for um hooking me up with the yep. with the ability to to do this and uh and do do some road dog interviews and podcasting and uh uh shout out to all those guys uh, doing all that stuff for social media i, I certainly appreciate Absolutely. it so thank you for coming on riser thank you jordan and, uh, yes sir all righty uh hopefully i'll i'll get back to doing this this a lot better that's uh that's the plan to be to be more consistent on this because that's what it boils down to and uh and, and get back to putting out more more road dog episodes because it seems like people people like a lot more than than I realized, and and people they do. I promise you, they do. So. Well, I appreciate it, Riser. Thank you for coming on. And uh, Road Dog is out. <laughs>